Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey guys, it's another week in quarantine. Hi guys, it's day 768 of being away from people. How are you doing? Well, I still don't miss people, so I I mean, that's not true. Maybe you're built for this. I am in one regard, and then I completely not in another, so, you know. Did you tell me you never saw The Hunger Games? Yeah, I've never seen it. Okay, well, I sort of feel in The Hunger Games, one of the last books, they have to live underground for a little while in this, oh. like, weird society. I sort of feel like that right now. <sighs> Wait, you actually read The Hunger Games books? Yeah, and saw all the movies. Wow. I'm a voracious reader, Ashley. I love I know, to read. And you love using that word every time you talk about reading. I do to show everyone how much I love yes, reading. Yes. To really drive and, the and, point. And home. to tell you that I almost got a perfect score on my verbal SATs. Wow. Fantastic. It really has um <laughs> it really has shown in my career choices and how much money I make. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How's that working out for you, Carrie? Mm, great. <laughs> Kids, just so you know, if you're listening, anything that's going to go on your permanent record really will not go on your permanent record. Just don't murder somebody. Don't get arrested. Right, don't otherwise, get, Don't do anything that the law needs to intervene. But otherwise, you know, I was in the principal's office a lot and it never went on my permanent record, just so you know. Yeah. And look how great I turned out. I'm a podcaster. <sighs> Anyway, we have a great show for you today. Firstly, we are talking to Thejal Patel, who is a meditation for children expert. And she's going to share all kinds of fun tips on how to get your kids to meditate. And which is, you know, we had planned this before the pandemic had arrived in our lives, but it seems even more relevant now. Yeah. And just to help kids navigate all the emotions, not only of childhood, but especially of this weird and wacky time that we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about an article that is super interesting about how during times of uh, trouble and pandemic, people go back to some old school good luck charms. Yep. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag. And up next, the the tits tits and and the the shits. So care care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Care bear. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Sure. Well, the tits is that my daughter, seeing my daughter... So goddamn happy when she got to see her dad again on Tuesday. I mean, she waved at us from the window when we pulled up. She, like, flapped her arms, freaked out. She, like, had no words. She just wanted to, like, touch his face over and over and over again. It was, I mean... It was ridiculous. And then the bad news is the whole day she barely could sleep because she just kept being like, Dada, Mama, Dada, Luna, Mama, Dada. Like just naming that we were all together. She was like so jacked up and worried that if she went to sleep that he would go away. Which broke my heart but also made me happy because we were all together. And then my other tits, which is sort of the same, is we are now living at the goddamn beach. And I fucking love it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like your dream, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I grew up like on the beach and at 14 moved just 15 minutes inland when my mom got remarried and was still close to the beach, but not on the beach like I had been the first 14 years of my life where literally every day of my life I went to the beach, even in the winter, just to look at the ocean. And so now we are back in that same said town that I grew up in and I'm going to the beach every day, regardless of weather, because it is my happy place and I'm so happy about it and I've Luna was not a fan of the beach and I made a point to try to get her down with the beach because she was like weird about sand for so long and now she officially loves it she did I sent you the video she digs in the sand with her hands like a dog and then (laughs) puts her head down like as you said like a baby sea turtle or like a mama sea turtle trying to lay her eggs she is now one with the beach and I could not be happier that's good so maybe instead of moving to Montclair, you guys need to move to the beach. Lee's not down for it. Lee is a beach only in summer kind of guy. This mm. winter beach thing. He's like, it's boring here. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. all about a winter beach. That's that's my time I of prefer, year at the beach. Yeah. yeah. Or when it's sunny, but it's not season yet. Right. Like, that's my favorite. I love when it's slow here. It's my favorite. Yeah. I don't like a crowded beach. Yeah, me neither. 
Me neither. Um, so that's that's my tits, and those are like two good pairs of tits. Those are very solid tits in a time. Those of are pandemic. really they're they're like up, they're muscular and full. There, it's a good. But here's the thing: this is this is the crazy thing about pandemic, right? Is I love how we've become experts on pandemic. Here's the crazy thing about pandemic. I mean, I think everyone who is alive and will have memories of it is now an expert on pandemic. But Experts um, on pandemics. Like, can you picture little old lady Luna telling, like, her great-grandkids about the pandemic she lived through? You know what I mean? The great like, pandemic! Right. <laughs> Isn't that, like, the funniest thing? Anyway, it's neither here nor there. But the beautiful thing about all this shit is... It really does make these really little simple moments better. I mean, yeah. little things are so much better because of it. The fact that she could hug him, kiss him on the mouth, and touch his face without a mask. I know. Was, it made me sad and happy at the same time. Because it made me sad that that's... The reality. This, yeah, but it yeah. made me happy because it made her so happy. Yeah. Anyway. I get it. And my shits are that we are living in someone else's house who does not have children and nothing is childproofed. Yeah. I can understand that. Is there like a glass coffee table? Oh, yes. And there's a glass coffee table. Everything is metal. Ooh. Everything is cream, white, or beige. Ooh. There's like hearths and like um, fireplace tools everywhere. <laughs> and all light sockets with nothing plugged into them. <laughs> and stairs with no railings. And porches that she could just like easily walk off of onto the concrete. <laughs> Who's like, this again? Uh, a really good friend of our family's, somebody like an aunt, but she's not actually related to us. She's my uncle's best friend. She's lived in this town. That's a so nice. Of family. Um, she's so generous having donated this summer house to us for, for this time. But, you know, I want to keep it nice. Yeah. And also, like, as a parent, it, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast can relate. We now walk into a room and just see every possible way <laughs> a, a child could kill themselves. I was like, oh, the hearth. Oh, my God, that hearth. Oh, God, that, that couch. That couch is beige oh god I don't think I think if I used resolve it would make the couch a different color beige <laughs> and Luna keeps going up to the sockets and like pantomiming touching them and then looking at me like she knows she's not supposed to but she's like mm, this one isn't covered when Sebastian was Luna's age he would flat out pull the thing the cover out of the socket and like show me like hey look what I did like fuck your socket covers mom I was just like, oh my God, he's going to die. You know, there is not a plastic anything in the no. house. So I'm trying to feed her dinner. And I, I ended up feeding her out of a dog bowl. <laughs> because I had a, in my bag, in my car, I had like a stainless steel dog bowl. <laughs> and so I just put it in the dishwasher, washed it. I was like, eh, she can't break this. So I fed her out of a dog. <laughs> Lee's like, is that a dog bowl? I'm like, listen, everything else yeah, is like germs nice. germs are dead. It's like nice china. Everything else that I shall definitely throw it when she's done. That's what she does. When she's done eating, she throws it. So in other news, I can't wait until I can get rid of all the plastic shit in my house. I know. Although I like a plastic cup for when I'm not wanting to be careful because I'm kind of a klutz. And how about you? What's your tits and chips? Uh, my tits are uh, after two very scary weeks for my mom. She's finally feeling better. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. It got really bad. Uh, she had to go to the hospital at one point and she was, had gastrointestinal stuff. It was a whole thing, but she is very okay now. I mean, she's still not a hundred percent. She's much better. She can eat now. I mean, two weeks of not eating. She's very weak. And you know, it's even more scary because I haven't been able to really do much of anything. So I've been cooking a lot and bringing my parents over food, making her soup, making her jello, trying to like make her all kinds of things, making my dad, you know, making more food all the time so that my dad has stuff because I've been worried that he's going to then get sick. So I'm trying to like keep him healthy because I know if it's yep. just him, he's just going to eat like franks and beans all the time. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Mark, stop eating Franks and beans. Oh, that's his favorite meal in the world. And it has a place in my heart, personally. So Sebastian had like a, th he couldn't, he didn't poop for like three days this week. Ugh, that's the worst. Yeah, but he was fine. It wasn't like he was in pain or anything. And Is he, he pooping on the potty or no? Yeah, uh, he's not quite pooping, but he is peeing a lot. In fact, he does a thing now where he takes off his diaper, or his underwear, and he runs into the downstairs bathroom and just pees in the shower. <laughs> 
And some people are like, ew, don't let him pee in the shower. But you know what? He's being a big boy and going to pee by himself. He can't get on the potty by himself. And he knows not to do it on the floor. Yeah. So good for him. And he's not doing it on the sofa. So I'm like, okay with it. I don't see an issue with it. And who doesn't pee in the shower, honestly? Lee and I have that discussion. Lee's like, ew, disgusting. I'm like, remember that Seinfeld episode? I'm an occasional peer in the shower. Oh, I always pee in the shower. Yeah. It's hard for me to be in a body of water and not pee, to be completely honest. <laughs> I'm going to be very, very honest with you. Don't invite Ashley to your pool, guys. And you, you shouldn't, honestly, because guarantee I will pee in it. And one time, Matt and I took a bath together in, like, Vegas, and I was like, I really have to pee. And he was like, can you not pee in the bath? <laughs> this is not he would have pool. never. He would have never known. He would have never known, but... You People know, you, put urea on their skin to make it soft. They put urea? Which is what's in urine. What's the difference between urea and urine? Urine has other stuff aside from the urea in it. So basically, if you were to spin urine and extract just the urea, mm. like the ste- the sterile form of it, it's in a lot of skin cream. Oh. So you could just be like, I'm just giving you yeah, some I'm just, extra. I'm just making your your. I'm making your dick and ass skin super yeah, soft. Yeah, making your skin supple. But anyway, so after three days of not pooping, Sebastian pooped, and he did what is quite possibly, I know this is ridiculous, and someone's going to be offended. <laughs> it was the cutest turd I have ever seen in my entire life. It looked like the poop emoji. When I took <laughs> off his diaper, I went, oh my God, that's so cute. I wish you had taken a picture I and know, sent it to me. I know, but it was like late at night and I, he like woke up having to poop. It was like a whole thing. Um, I didn't think to bring my phone, but it looked like, you know that pen you got me for my birthday with the yes. poop on top of it? Yes. It looked like that little turd. It was so cute. It was, like, I wanted to keep it as a pet and name it, like, Turdy. It was like, howdy ho, Yes, it was exactly, like, but cuter than Mr. Hanky. Because Mr. Hanky's a long one. The poop emoji's just a little pile. Oh. Like, like soft It was just, like, short and compact. It had a little (laughs) swirl top. It was so cute. And when I came down and told Matt how cute this poop was, he was like, you should talk about it on Mom Taraj. I was like, I'm going to. So your mom being sick and his adorable turd. the cutest little poop in the world. Um, My shits are, I have a scale in my house and I have been weighing myself and oh lord, is it frightening. It is frightening. Oh, you just reminded me when I left my mom's, I forgot to bring my three-pack Doritos. (laughs) I can't believe I forgot that. I better make a note. It is frightening. First of all, I would just like to say that Ashley and I evidently don't have the kind of anxiety that makes us not want to eat and lose weight. Oh, no, no, no. Evidently, we have the other kind. Yeah. So I saw this meme that says, now that I've lived during a plague, I get why most Renaissance paintings are of chubby women laying around with their boobs out. And (laughs) I don't think I've related to anything more in my entire life. Like, if it were, if I was alone and not worried about my husband not being attracted to me, I would literally just like sit on the couch with my tits out and my hair up in like a top knot, eating all the snacks with like different bottles of alcohol around me so I could pour my. And just like, yes, just like, just like tits out. Crumbs. There'd be like crumbs all over. Yes. Yes. The other day I found in Luna's diaper a Dorito crumb and sand, and I'm like, (laughs) same girl, same. (laughs) I don't want to tell you what I found. I know. My other shit is I'm going through this really fun part of pandemic called What's the Point of Everything? (laughs) What's the deal with even being alive? Yeah. Like, I'm kind of just like, what's the point of trying? What's the point of this? What's the point of denim? Why even bother wearing pants? Like, what's the point? What's the point? Lee did say to me when he walked into the bedroom and I had celebrity ghost uh, stories on, which is one of my favorite <laughs> shows. Really, I'm very into celebrity ghost stories. Actually. Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul had a very active uh, episode <laughs> last night. Who knew? What happened? Tell me about it. Oh it's my probably going to get edited out of so this. Paula had, Paula had two homes that were in the Hollywood Hills. Baller. She had two at the same time. One, her and her ex-husband lived in. She got stalked in that one. Someone followed her home from auditions for American Idol. Amer- American Idol and stalked her for like a while. And she had a panic room. 
And the this woman stalked her for a couple of years. She kept calling the police and she'd go into her panic room. She also had like major nerve damage from some sort of something and was growing. I remember when she was like all slurry on the show for a little bit? Yeah. It's because she was on pain meds to try to regrow nerves, which is very painful from some surgery. Then she decided she would go off all pain pills because she didn't want to seem drunk drunk but then she was in pain all the time and she had a miscarriage all in this house and she had these series of ghosts that came to visit her which were not scary but then she had a straight up poltergeist in her house how does one just suddenly develop a poltergeist it's not it's attached to you right a poltergeist follows you as opposed to the house right well the ghosts were attached to the house but the poltergeist this which everything I know about poltergeist says it happens in puberty mostly I've never Mm. heard it happening mostly to an adult person if there's not a child in the home the poltergeist can affect everyone in the home but it usually attaches to a child but it says that and I do believe this from all my ghost research dark forces can connect to you if you're in a very 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 low physical and mental place oh great you're not as low as Paula was. Hashtag not as low as Paula. I mean, okay? I don't have a panic room. Right. And you don't have nerve damage that we know of. I am having a white wine spritzer at 2.40 on a Thursday. And you're not no. going through a divorce and you're not having, a, you didn't lose a baby very late in pregnancy. No. So all those things are good. So I think you're doing better. Hashtag better than Paula. Um. Anyway, it was a great episode, but Lee walked in, saw that I was watching that and goes, I think that the men's fine suitwear business is going to go out of business after this this pandemic. And I go, what? what is that related to? He goes, well, I mean, nobody's wearing real clothes, I think. And no one's going to go back to an office. Suits. No, real the suits business is going to go out of business. I was like, okay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Abdulza, let's watch. <laughs> and then he, and then P.S. He made so much fun of me. He's like, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't like ghost shows. And I was like, well, I believe in them and I like them. He's like, oh, oh can we watch something else? And then as I'm going to go to sleep, I go to turn off. He's like, keep it on. I'm interested. <laughs> I want to see what happens to Paul. Oh my God. P.S. I just made him Italian. I know. That's not how it, that's not how That's what happens when you live at the shore for too long. That's right. (sighs) Well. There you have it. What's the point of everything? What's the point? (laughs) What's the point of everything? Listen, if Paula could get through her hard time, we can get through the pandemic. You're right. I wonder how Paula's dealing with this. We should have. And did she get rid of her poltergeist? She got rid of the house. She came out of that dark time. And she has never had another problem. I may actually reach out to Paula Abdul and be like, listen, we were very moved by your Celebrity Ghost Stories episode. And we'd like to talk to you and see how you're doing. Do you currently have a pandemic room? Right. Do you have a pandemic panic room that you sit in with your tits out eating Doritos? Right. Also, I she has that kind of voice is like this. Her voice has always bothered me. She was born with a collapsed windpipe. Like a oh. little baby Maltese puppy. Oh. So maybe that's why she talks like this. They didn't address that, but they did address her collapsed windpipe as a child. And I thought maybe that's why she speaks like. So side note, Maria, if you're listening, because I know all my cousins listen. When we were little, we used to record radio shows and we had a character. Oh God, what was her name? She was an ice skating frog. And her voice was like this. She was an <laughs> ice skating frog. That's what Paula Abdul sounds like to me. That's like good. an ice skating good frog. Thanks. It's a good time. What's the deal with <laughs> living? Anyway, next up, meditation for kids with Thajal Patel. All right, guys. Today's guest was named a well-being warrior by Huffington Post. She's the host of the Time in Talks podcast, a speaker and author of the new book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety, and Stay Focused. Thajal Patel. Welcome, Thajal. How are you? Good, ladies. I'm so happy to be here with you. We are very, very excited. For those of you listening, we actually had this interview planned months ago, and it just so happened to line up with this very strange time we're living in. And it kind of seems like the best time to chat with you. Absolutely. Divine synchronicity in its finest right here. Seriously, your book could not have come out at a better time, frankly. Yep. Initially, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to mess everything up. My publisher is just like, wow, it's doing so well. 
well. So it's been great. That's amazing. And I'm super excited to have you on because Ashley is always slightly making fun of me for my woo-woo hippie shit, uh, how I am also a yoga meditation teacher. And although she respects it, she's always laughing at all of my different techniques that I use. So just to clarify, I am totally on board. Please don't think I'm here to like (laughs) naysay you or anything. My mom is also like a certified yoga instructor and all that other stuff. It's just, uh, you know, I'm more of a let's drink to deal with our emotions type of person. I feel you. So I'm super excited to have you on as well. I mean, Ashley is too, but I feel like you're a fellow. You're of my tribe. That was the worst thing I've ever said out loud. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And that's the kind of shit I make fun of. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, Basil, we're very excited. We really want to know how have you, you know, your Zen, your whole thing is meditation. So how have you been dealing with this incredibly stressful time and staying at home with your kid? And I'm sorry, you have one child or two children? I have two children. I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it was definitely an adjustment because before this time, my one-year-old was staying home with me, but I had a nanny, and then my five-year-old was in preschool. So it was definitely an adjustment. And I get a lot, yes, you practice meditation. You must be like so calm and everything must be so like zen and peaceful in your home. We are all human. Just because we have the tools doesn't mean that we are not all affected by big emotions. You know, our children are experiencing big emotions. So I have to be very very honest. Um, the first week, I think I was kind of in denial, you know, that, yeah. oh, everything is out there. It's not going to affect my life. And then when it hit home, and I think I had a day and a half where I felt, I wasn't watching the news, but I felt this heavy anxiety come over me. And I felt like it was a collective anxiety. I think we were all kind of in a disarray and we own businesses. So, you know, my husband was sharing some of the things that were shifting with us. And I just had a day and a half of like this intense anxiety. The difference is is that it's not that I don't feel the emotions. It's that I can quickly be able to move through them. It's like, okay, I'm aware that I'm anxious. Now, how do I move that energy out of me? What do I do? I've definitely been feeling it. And I think every week is a different challenge or a new lesson that's coming up. But I feel like I feel all seasons of emotions every single day. Yes. I want to know, frankly, how you wrote and got a book published with a one-year-old. Man, that's major skills. Dude, (laughs) my mom, she, like, I have to give it up to her. My mom lives two and a half hours away, but she would take my son for periods of time. So my older son was at school. I would just have uh, like the entire week to focus on writing. That's sort of like what Linda did with me in the start of our last podcast. She would take my daughter, my daughter's um, just a little over one. She would take her for three days at a time so that I could focus in on whatever endeavor was Can't do it alone, right? It just definitely, it definitely takes the team and... um, yeah, that's amazing. So what techniques have you been implementing? I mean, I'm sure we're going to hear about some of your techniques, but what are some of the techniques that you're implementing in any degree or fashion during this time with your children? Yeah, so I think it's really important to know that emotions are just energy in motion. And so when we're experiencing something intense, like when we're feeling anger, for example, there needs to be a grounding out and a releasing of that. When there's anxiety, again, another energy frequency that's happening. So releasing that. I think for us, like when there's anger, it really helps to stomp it out. And like, so we've been doing major dance parties where it's kind of like an exaggerated dance party, drum beat, tribal type of music. <laughs> and I will say to my son, for these next five minutes, you can pound on the floor. Like I make it a safe space where we're just like, shake it out, which is really therapeutic. Shake your head, shake your body. So we've been doing a lot of that, especially the first three weeks. So really being active has been helping us. I feel like so many people relate to that. I even started running and I know we we don't know each other from anything, but um, it means Ashley has lost her mind. Yeah, literally, I've gone <laughs> That's crazy. What that means that I have started running. Yeah, what a weird time to be alive. So you have a really interesting backstory. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So ten years ago, I was a divorce attorney. I practiced all out of court divorce resolution. So I was a divorce mediator, and I practiced collaborative divorce. So the interesting thing of that is you have both the husband and wife in front of you, and 90, yeah, it's interesting, and it's not. of the time, I mean, most of my clients all had kids. That's why they're attempting to try to do it the amicable way. And so we have many cases with collaborative doors. You have a financial advisor, you have a mental health professional sometimes there, depending on how tense it could be with their emotions. And then you have me as an attorney. So you have a team of people, more of a collaborative way of getting a divorce. So the interesting thing with that is you get very intimate with understanding their children. And there was just an intensity of the anxiety they were sharing that some of 
other children were experiencing and how it was affecting their kids. And I completely related to that because as a child, I did suffer from childhood anxiety. Me too. Did you? Yeah, I lived with it. It never goes away, right? It just like always is there in the background. And so I- It just manifests in different ways based on where you are in your life, really. Exactly. I just went on my own personal journey separate from my work and everything. And I just started thinking, I was like, you know, what if I had these tools when I was younger? What if my client's kids had these tools when they were younger? And I just felt like deeply called as like, you know, I'm going to get my kids yoga certification. And I started with mindfulness and yoga. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? I'm still an attorney, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach at our school. It was just some of the most rewarding work. And the interesting thing was, is that I would ask the children at the end of class, and I was working with kids between the ages of three and seven predominantly, we would do yoga games and they would, I would trickle in mindfulness. But at the end of every single class, I would do quote unquote, like a meditation that was like a relaxation meditation. And I would ask them at the end of class while I was handing out stickers, like, what was your favorite part of class? And it blew me away that a majority of the kids, and they were this young, three to seven, be like, I really like the relaxation portion. From there, I really realized that, you know, if we want our children to truly practice and embody this, our parents and teachers really need to get on board with this. I have taught yoga in schools for a while. And same thing. I always thought it would be, you know, the funny named poses or whatever that afterwards kids would really enjoy. But it was Shavasana, Mm. you know, which was the stillness pose that kids like the best. And I was shocked. And it would break my heart sometimes because kids as young as seven or eight would say to me, my day is really stressful. Mm. And Shavasana helped me get rid of my stress. And I'm like, oh my goodness, my heart is breaking. What is a seven-year-old stressed about? I mean, I remember being stressed as a seven-year-old, but I felt like I was the only one. And so either everyone was feeling this way, they just didn't have the correct words to describe it, or our society is getting more stressful and now kids have the words to say it. And it just breaks my heart to hear that. The National Institute of Mental Health says that one in five children will experience some clinical level of anxiety before they reach adolescence. We can't ignore that stat. Like children are feeling anxiety and stress and there's depression at such a young age. They're feeling that level of stress at this age, they definitely need the coping mechanism and skills to be able to help them build the resilience to ride through it. Absolutely. So how did you introduce your children to meditation? I would trickle it in with songs that talk about meditation and saying deep breaths and mindfulness. So like for us, instead of saying be careful, we say be mindful because we're trying to teach like focus on one thing at a time, focus on what you're doing. So we basically make this language part of their vocabulary. As they get a little bit older, what I share is like, I just make it into a song like brush, brush, brush your brain. You know, like it's like a fun little song that we sing. So it teaches kids that just like we brush our teeth and just like we take a shower, it's something that we do every day. And their mind is open at this moment, right? Because like between the ages of zero and eight, everything is getting planted into their subconscious. So you're just basically building the habit. My son, Sebastian, who's he'll be three in July. I mean, from a very young age, basically, whenever he has like a huge crying fit, I like get down to his level and I say, okay, take a deep breath. And I guess... I didn't realize, but I'm kind of doing the same exact thing, which makes me very pleased with myself as a parent. Yes, you should be. So I like to give this visual. Meditation is like you would never tell your child, hey, you only have to brush your teeth on the days that you eat chocolate. Any day that you don't eat chocolate, you don't have to brush, right? Like we would never say that. You brush every day because that's kind of your daily hygiene. And then meltdowns is kind of like your cavity. And so when you have a cavity, it's one of those rare occasions where it's an intense feeling. We have to think of ourselves as the dentist and we're using these precise set of skills to help them ride through it. So like you just said, the taking the deep breath, empathizing with them, connecting with them, even if they're not taking the deep breaths, if we're touching them and we're slowing down our breath, they're feeling the energy from us. And then naturally their nervous system is going to start resetting. So once you get them past this kind of initial, how do you get them to the next level of sitting still and consciously meditating? So there's many different types of meditation, but they fall into two categories. And what we think of with quintessential meditation is a passive form of meditation in the sense that it's focusing on your mind to try to clear out. You're using your breath to kind of clear out your mind. And what I refer to this as, this is the CrossFit of meditation. This is not where your entry point is for meditation. So you would never tell somebody who's never worked out a single day in their life, hey, we're going to throw you into a CrossFit class and figure it out. Because they're going to fall flat on their face 
basically because they don't have the endurance to build up the stamina. They can work up to that, but that's not where you start. The other thing is like when I teach children breathing, I don't just say take deep breaths in and out. There's something tangible that they're doing with their body. So if we're doing, for example, a breath like to cool down anger, you're breathing in through your mouth. So I imagine that they're breathing in through a straw, they're holding a strawberry smoothie. So they're doing something with their hands. So you're making everything very tangible. When we're experiencing stress, it's simply a sign that there's friction or energy block in our body. Once you know what kind of stress you're experiencing, and there's only three types of stress, there's mental stress, which is anxiety, which means that there's too much energy rotating in your mind. So basically, you need to move that energy out, and then automatically your mind will start settling down. The second is emotional stress, which is all related to your heart. So that's anger, frustration, that means that there's too much heat in your body. So you're doing postures and you're doing breaths to cool yourself down. And the third is physical stress, which relates to feelings of sadness and grief that makes you feel sedentary and lethargic. So you need to move energy up above your head so that you're invigorated and you're getting a natural boost of energy. With children, your entry point of meditation is active meditation because you're training your brain to focus on one thing. And when you're focusing on your body to move in a certain way, your mind automatically learns how to slow down. Eventually, you trickle in that passive meditation practice. Yes. This is sort of a two-part question. How much time do you recommend starting off with with a kid? Because I know when I tell my adult students, I say start with five to eight minutes, but I would never start that way for a child. So what do you think is a good estimate of how long to sit with your child at first? And then do you recommend a specific time of day or just peppering it in when you see the emotional reaction and then choosing to meditate then? A lot of these exercises, like I said, the active breathing exercises and the yoga postures, you can start doing when your child is too. And so what I focus on with children is not the amount of time, but the amount of breaths. So seeing what's available to them, be focused for three breaths. That's your starting point. We have to remember the intention of this is to build the habit, to like teach them that this is something that should be a part of their everyday life, building that practice every single day. So then like a muscle. Yeah, you're building the muscle. What I would do is yesterday you sat for three, you think you could do four breaths. And a lot of these exercises are so short, and they're so playful that you can trickle them in. But I would focus more on the breath and that you're building, give them a high five, like, yay, you brushed your brain today, like build that awareness for them. We have to be flexible. We would never say to our kids, like every single day at 5pm, you have to take a shower, sometimes a little bit earlier. Sometimes it's a little bit later. So we want it to be as flexible as possible. So we have to be aware of the time of day and what type of energy we want. So in the morning, we want to naturally boost their energy. Are we trying to wind them down or are we trying to get them to focus? So you can use that actually in both ways. Doing your daily deposit. Okay, in the morning, let's pick an exercise or during playtime in the afternoon, let's do it. And then there's also set up based on the emotion. So like, okay, my child is really, really sad. So how do I move the energy out? And then what breath do I do to help them through it? So you'll be able to then trickle it into those heat of the moment or those big feeling moments. What other ways, like you're talking about this idea of building the muscle and starting in sort of active styles of meditation to get your kids used to it. Are there any things that you do like in a meditative way? For instance, one of my big things that I do with adults that I'm teaching meditation to is I say, you know, we're going to baby step to being able to sit for longer periods. And one thing you can do is that you can wash your dishes by paying attention only to washing your dishes, not having. Oh my God, then I meditate all the time. (laughs) But without having like a podcast on or without having. Yeah. And then just really pay attention because there's that quote. I think it's, I can't remember who it's from. I think it's from Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, Your favorite, Ashley, TikTok. I think think he said, I'm going to butcher it, but that mindfulness is being as aware washing the dishes as you were washing a newborn baby, like with that kind of care and attention. And so I'm wondering if there's anything that you do with your kids in that way that, you know, these sort of building blocks to, I call it like walking meditations because it's an action done with meditative intention. Is there anything you do in your life with your kids that's like that? Can I just interject before you even answer that? But please remember the question because I think it's so good. But I just want to say that this was such a light bulb moment, everything you just said, Carrie, because I have been washing so many dishes lately by choice. It has become at night, it used to be I do all the cooking, Matt would do the cleaning and 
I just like couldn't be bothered with anything else. And lately, all I want to do is clean up after I cook and I enjoy every, and it makes so much sense. I now realize that I have been meditating in all of this. So thank you to both of you for shedding this light on my life. See, see, you've been more woo woo than you thought. You need to know it. Next, we're going to get a candle that smells like your vagina. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I can just pull down my pants and do that. It's good. You know, why spend the money? A big thing for us, so I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's kind of like a modern day cuckoo clock, which is like a Tibetan bowl. It's an alarm clock and every hour it dings it just automatically and you can hear it through our entire house. And so basically it's kind of like our stop, drop and breathe. So you can hear it anywhere in the house, but it rings. So we stop whatever we're doing and we'll take a deep breath. So yeah, that's been like a thing for us is like that that. bell. When I'm engrossed in work, it's like, whoa, take a little break, take a breath, reset, and then go back to what you're doing. And so that's been a big thing for us because as a family, like if one person hears it, they'll remind everybody else like, hey, that was the bell. Let's take our deep breath and let's reset. I mean, I live in a two bedroom apartment, so I could have the world's tiniest bell and we would all hear it. (laughs) For sure. I'm going to incorporate some tiny bell that we could all listen to and do that. I love that idea. I really enjoy that sound. So I think it would be really nice. But so to kind of welcome in people that are a little more my speed in all of this and by my speed, I mean, you know, love the the concept of all of this really do understand it and see how it's beneficial but just really can't seem to sit still with their own thoughts because I really do find that that's my biggest issue what are your tips for us like what kind of suggestions do you have for those of us our mind is a tool that was designed to think and so it has to be trained to slow down we can't just say hey stop like we're gonna sit down stop and it's gonna stop we realize that at that moment doesn't feel like it's trainable. And so my first entry point, what I started to do then after I did that, I would do guided meditations. And I found that that was much easier for me. Like there's tons of great apps out there, Headspace and Insight Timer. And that helped me listening to somebody else speak, helped me learn how to kind of reel it in a little bit. And then at some point, I felt like the guided meditations were kind of holding me back. And I think it's it's a unique experience for everyone. You start where you're at, like how Carrie said, like starting at five minutes, not having to be like this over lofty goal. I actually tell people who are complete beginners to start at three minutes. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I feel like we got a lot of amazing information. This is probably one of the weirdest times uh, in any living person's life. So to have that insight is really great and we really, really appreciate it. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the book. Just take the opportunity to plug the hell out of yourself. Wherever you buy books, you can get it. Um, it's Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety, and Stay Focused. Um, you can go to my book website, meditationforkidsbook.com. That might be easier. For any parent who's completely like, I don't know where to start, what to do, I actually created a supplement course for the book so that it teaches you step one, step two, step three, what exercises. So it's like a no guesswork roadmap that you can just do so you'll know how to navigate the book. And I'm offering 50% off that course just because of everything that's going on right now in the world. So you can use the promo code kids can meditate and you can get the course for 50% off. It's really, really helpful for parents. And then Instagram, I'm really big on Instagram. You can find me at Thajal V Patel. Listen to my podcast, uh, Time and Talks podcast. And then lastly, um, on May 9th, I am actually doing virtual book training um, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time just to dive in on any questions that any parents might have, any skepticisms, any concerns. I'm going to be addressing it all. It'll just be a fun way to kind of gather together so you can reserve your spot over at meditationforkidsbook.com. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. This is great. This was so much fun. All right. So for our second segment... We're talking about this article from the New York Times called We're Holding Tight to Our Good Luck Talismans. It's really interesting. It's all about the different kind of good luck charms that we all have and how a lot of times this kind of woo-woo, as Carrie calls it, stuff, we're so quick to dismiss things like that. 
but how in these times we're kind of clinging to all of that, which is interesting because I personally have always had these things. But there's a quote from the article. They quoted Stuart Weiss, a psychologist and author of the book Superstition, a very short introduction. It says, the very nature of this epidemic is one of uncertainty, not knowing whether you have come into contact with the virus, Dr. Weiss said. So this circumstance is a perfect one in which to grasp for something that can't have a real effect because there is no real magic in the world. But that supports the psychological feeling that you have taken some action, done some small thing to regain control. Side note from this article, most of the people that they interviewed for this article, yeah, were famous people. Yeah, or they they worked in fashion and they lived in Europe. They were like heir to the Missoni house, designer for theory, head of Donna Karen. It was obviously a very well-connected journalist. Are we in Monaco? What the hell? (laughs) Like this is not an article for the common person. Who wrote this article? Goop? Absolutely. Even if you guys don't believe in this, just read the article because it's just a fun, it's a fun exercise. But anyway. I felt like it should be in the travel and leisure section. Yes. <laughs> right? It was a really strange article, but but it had a lot of interesting things that I think are obviously very relevant in this time. I kind of liked it because in my mind, just for the short time that I was reading it, I went to a place where I wear a headscarf when I'm driving in my convertible <laughs> with my big glasses and there's like James Bond music. And then I get out of my car and I've got like an espadrille on. An espadrille? That's a practical shoe, an espadrille. It's more like you have on like a, a Jimmy Choo stiletto. Oh, I was going to say it's a wedged espadrille. Very like... That's a very practical shoe. I wear a wedged espadrille all summer. I know. I don't. I wear a Birkenstock. So for me... All right? I wear a platform crock as I step out of my Alfa Romeo. And uh, someone hands me a Negroni and I walk up the steps of my villa. Sidebar last night, I turned to Matt in bed and I said, you know, crocs are becoming more appealing to me. And he was like, what? (laughs) That's where I am. I'm running and I'm considering buying crocs. Anyway. What does it mean that I already do those things? What's How much lower can I go? It just means that like your turn for the worst is a different turn for the worse. It's going to be bad. It's I mean, going to be like... Doritos might be yours, eating bags of Doritos. Mine is, I went for three runs, and now Crocs, the shoe that I have said for years, is so disgusting and unappealing, and I hate that my son owns two pairs. All of a sudden, I'm like, maybe Crocs seem like a good idea. I don't know what my bottom is going to be, but I'll let you know, because it's coming. When you get there, I'll point it out. So back to this quote. The very nature of the epidemic is one of uncertainty, not knowing whether you've come into contact with the virus. So the circumstance is a perfect one in which to grasp for something that can't have a real effect because there is no real magic in the world, but that supports the psychological feeling that you've taken some action, done some small thing to regain control. Listen, I prayed more in the last two weeks with my mother being sick than I have prayed in years. And that is not necessarily the same thing because that opens up a discussion for people as to whether God is real or not. You know, for me, there is some kind of podcast. Right, right. This is there is some kind of whatever. But It's just not something I, you know, I'm not somebody who goes to a house of prayer every week. One of the women that was interviewed talked about wearing her grandmother's sweater when she travels and her grandmother survived the war and it just makes her feel like if her grandmother could survive the war, then it's like a safe thing for traveling and it brings a smile to her face when she wears it. And in doing that, it puts her at ease because anytime you smile, you kind of have like a serotonin blast. Serotonin blasts are rare for me, suffering from anxiety and depression. are not necessarily given to me by um, a medication or from my dog or my child. So in this time, anything that's going to make me smile and give me a serotonin blast and just make me feel like I'm being hugged. And and just make you feel like you're doing some little something to push things in the direction in which you want them to go to. I feel like good luck charms can help us along the way. Whether they work or not, it's just a reminder, a reminder to be mindful. It's like when I feel this bracelet on my wrist and when I notice it, I'm then mindful of the fact that I'm lucky or, you know, whatever it is. Do you have good luck charms that you actively use or are turning to right now? 
I do definitely have good luck charms. I didn't bring all of them with me because I left New York kind of. I mean, it was a panic situation. It was a panic situation with Lee being away and everything. So the one main thing that I have is when my grandmother that just passed, I started giving her little frog figurines when I was very little, like three. I don't know if she even liked frogs. It was one of those things that your kid just decides. It's like why, right? Like what came first, the chicken or the egg? When she started to get sick recently, like three or four years ago, and she moved out of her house into my mom's house. She was going through her stuff, giving stuff away because she said when she died, she didn't want people to have to do it for her. Yeah. And she gave me back the very first frog that I ever gave her. And she's like, this is the very first frog you ever gave me. And I've kept it on the dashboard of my car because every time I drive my car, I see it. She always used to say, um, oh, she would say, Godspeed, but not on the parkway. (laughs) Get it? Like, <laughs> yes. So, or turnpike or whatever road you want to not speed I like on. that. And so every time I see the little frog, I'm like, Godspeed, but not on the parkway. <laughs> so I feel like that's my good luck. And I don't know if this is a Catholic person thing, but I have dead people prayer cards. So I have like my grandmother's prayer card. I have another grandmother's prayer card. I have them either in my wallet or like as a bookmark. And then I have stuff that I didn't bring, like this cross that I used to wear when I travel. I've had these rosary beads that were blessed by the Pope a long time ago, different Pope. I have those. I'm a really less in- cool Pope. No, it was the cooler Pope. It was there was a uh, cooler Pope than the current Pope? John Paul II. He was an actor. He was the people's Pope, yo. Yeah, but he didn't like gay people. Like, this one likes gay people. That's true. That's true. And I'm really into, I love dead people things, like dead people's jewelry. Mostly dead people I know, but not always. Going back to Paula Abdul's house being haunted, I'm into thinking that maybe some of the essence of the person stays with an important object. Yeah. And that uh, it kind of helps protect you. But I'm full into all of the things. I mean, I am too and you know I have some crystals and stuff that's a little more woo woo for me this stuff you know I have a for Cubans we call it an asabachi but it's what I wear around my neck every single day um and it's onyx and it basically it does the same thing as the evil eye or the horn the, the, the hamsa horn. yeah which right. I have all of those different except for a horn I don't have a horn because I'm not Italian but um it just protects you from bad juju and I always wear it you know, when you're Cuban and you're a baby, they, like, basically, like, slap that shit on you the second you come out of the womb. So Sebastian has a little pin that says Sebastian with a little tiny asabachi. And then my engagement ring and my wedding band have turquoise in them, which is a healing stone. And I never really realized that. I just really liked the woman who was designing it. And I, every time I loved one of her rings that I would send Matt, it always had turquoise in it. Hispanics have another thing, or Cuban specifically. There's one called Violetas, which is a, a perfume. Like It's baby perfume. You put it on a baby after it gives a bath. But I don't necessarily wear it every day. But in times where I like lately where I've been missing my mom a lot or I'm sad, I put it on and just that smell is so comforting. And yeah. I've just been using it so much lately. And then the other one is called Agua Florida. And that one is, I don't like the way it smells. It almost smells like cinnamon. Mm-hmm. It's really weird, but it's Florida water, whatever the fuck that is. But, you know, <laughs> this is like basically the same thing as like smudging, you know, with sage. Yeah. If you feel like you have bad juju, you pour a little in your on you when you're taking a shower. And in my family before, you know, we don't really do brujeria or any of that kind of stuff. This is like the baby step before it where it's just like, I am desperate. Get the shit off of me. You pour some of that stuff on you. But I feel like I intentioned so hard for 2020 that I... <laughs> It went really well. It went really badly. So I'm I'm trying not to focus energy on intentioning anything right now. Ashley, it's all your fault. I like vision boarded. I meditate. I did like so much. I did the I tried the artist way. Remember how much shit I was doing? I tried so hard to like make 2020 the year. And it's the year, but not for good shit. You tried to make 2020 your bitch and it made you its bitch. I'm gonna ride you, Ashley. And it is. It is riding me very hard. I just want to make that known i am not enjoying this ride no (laughs) 2020 it cost 12 tickets and i'm throwing up that's what's happening but we want to hear from you even after the fact what are your good luck charms mostly not to tell other people but to steal them for ourselves yeah we we want all the good luck charms we'll take them all so i hope you guys are turning to your lucky charms because because they're magically delicious okay so now it's time for hashtag swag bag hashtag swag bag do you want me to go first, Ash? Yeah, go for it. 
Okay. So I don't know about you guys. Everything on my body is dry. My hands are obviously cracking off because I wash them all the time. But also, weirdly, my skin and my lips are dry. Mine too, actually, now that you say it. Is it because we're drinking so much alcohol we're dehydrated? Or do you think it's because that seems stress? Like- I'm sure stress dehydrates you. <laughs> I'm sure it's the alcohol part. Anyway, I had to up my lip moisture game. And this is a product that I've seen in all the magazines, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of my friends use it. And I used it one time that my friend had it. And I was like, oh, damn, this is good. So I think it's supposed to be used at night, but I'm just using it all the time. And it's the Laniage Lip Mask. It looks like an eye cream. Where did you order it from? Sephora. Okay. And had it delivered. So it was like week one of quarantine and my birthday was, and I was like, I need to get my Sephora birthday gift. What do I need? And I was like, okay, I'm out of my mascara and I'll treat myself to the Laniage lip mask. So then um, they send me my birthday gift. I ordered it from Sephora. They also have it on Amazon. My lips do feel better. I tend to eat through chapstick pretty quickly. Yeah, this, this I don't, it stays like the viscosity of it. There you go, SATs. I scored mm. very high in case you didn't know. In case she didn't already reference that in this episode, which she has. <laughs> the viscosity of it stays on my lips, so I don't feel like I'm eating off my chapstick. That's good. And since I'm a baller, I can use a mask as my, you know, I can spend that cash and use it all the time. Yep. Because I'm rolling in yoga and podcast money. And also because what's the point of anything? Because you know what? What's the point? Um, what's, the, what's the point of even having lips? Uh, by the way, you've seen Kylie Jenner without all her filler, with all her oh. filler coming out. She's slowly sliding back into the girl she used to be. I texted my facialist and good friend, and she's like, listen, this is what I want to tell you. Everything is connected. So you get Botox in one place. She told me that Botox, enough Botox on your forehead will lift your nose because as you get old, your nose falls. And so when the Botox starts to go, it looks like your nose is falling. Yes. yes. She looks like a totally different person. But it's almost like her face just looks tiny again. It like It's <laughs> like it like shrunk. It shriveled in a little bit. So anyway, on to my swag bag. Got it. Um, her face. Hashtag swag bag her face. <laughs> Here's our Amazon affiliate link to filler. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I, it was a beautiful day. It was Earth Day. And um, Sebastian and I got Ashley, in the car. Ashley, Earth Day is every day. Earth Day is every day. But actual Earth Day was on Wednesday, which was yesterday for us right now, but not when this airs. And I had wanted to go to this tulip farm closer to you, Jersey, by Six Flags. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. And you you basically order how many tulips you want online ahead of time. So I ordered two bunches of 10 stems. It was $10. You don't get to pick the color. And you just drive on up. They keep their distance. Everyone has a mask on. They scan your phone, the barcode, and then they just give you your flowers and you are to leave. And we drove an hour down and an hour back. And I have to tell you, it was so nice. A, to have that time with Sebastian, to get out of the house a little bit and still be totally safe. Tulips are my mom's favorite flower. So I got to bring her some of her favorite flower when she's feeling good. My swag bag picks are fresh flowers in this time. All right, guys, that's our show. That's our show. We love you. Stay safe and sane. Moisturize your lips. Drink some water. Buy yourself some tulips. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.